This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday, the 4th of November. So another day, another good number of not cases coming out of Victoria, at least at the time that we're recording, Norman, which is great. That was our focus for a really long time. So let's stop talking about Victoria, talk about New South Wales again for a little while. Just to please Victorians. <laughs> and to anger New South Welsh people. New South Wales has had a kind of low rolling average for a couple of months now. And I suppose the question is, is that a problem or should they be doing more to try to stamp out these last remaining pockets of the virus that seem to be circulating? Well, the dilemma here is that to really stamp it out, you've actually probably got to go to some degree of lockdown. And New South Wales isn't going to do that, nor is it really merited because they're controlling it pretty well. Of course, what worries the authorities, I assume, in New South Wales is that there's still virus circulating and they can't be sure. So there is stuff that New South Wales isn't doing that they probably should. So, for example, probably tighten up the rules for restaurants and bars and so on. So a lot of people are using QR codes, but nobody's really policing it unless they've got a COVID marshal. And then often there's no COVID marshal there or you write it down, you scribble it down. Nobody's really checking it. I think it's just a little bit of too loose around the edges when you talk about venues and, um, and how they're doing it. And not a large number of people are being tested in New South Wales, although I'm told that that number is perhaps not as... The, the key number to look at is their case positivity rate. And is that going up in New South Wales, regardless of the number of people being tested? And I'm not sure that it actually is. So bottom line here, New South Wales has never got beyond a small amount of the virus circulating, which means there's a constant risk of the virus breaking out, and that's what worries them. Now, so far, so good. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, we've talked a lot on this podcast about elimination, and in Australia it's sort of been the aspiration, even if it hasn't been, like, the goal that people feel out is achievable. But is it, I mean, is it really a problem if New South Wales just has a steady rate of low numbers? Like, is it really worth going to quite hard measures just to bring down those low numbers to maybe not quite to zero? Well, they're not far off zero at the moment, you'd have to assume, and there hasn't been a significant cluster. There's been small, tiny clusters recently, but not big ones. Although there was a a cluster called the Hoxton Park cluster, which seems to keep on growing. I think a lot of it is political related to borders. If we didn't have a border issue, and you know, it's, what is Queensland insisting on for New South Wales borders to open up? Because I don't think New South Wales will ever meet zero spread for 28 days. But can they go for a month without any breakouts and any significant clusters? The answer is probably yes. So how long are they keep, going to keep the borders closed for that reason? I could understand early on when you had a second wave coming in Victoria and you had cases arriving and in Queensland and you were dealing with outbreaks in, in Logan and so on, not knowing where it's coming from. Well, if you're the chief medical officer, in chief health officer in Queensland, Jeanette Young, that's all I need is, new, is planes arriving um, at Coolangatta or, or Noosa from potentially infected areas while I'm trying to deal with a local outbreak. But, you know, um, we're getting beyond that. So yesterday on Coronacast, Norman, you and I talked a lot about masks and how good of a job they do to stop COVID spread, as we well know. But we also talked about a study which showed that 
Even though sometimes people report feeling breathless when they're wearing a mask, there was a study that you mentioned that sort of found that people's oxygen saturation levels didn't seem to change. We've actually had quite a few people emailing in about that, including Tony, who's an anaesthetist, saying he takes issue with some comments you made regarding the breathlessness people experience wearing masks and saying that oxygen saturation is only a crude measure of determining the cause of breathlessness. There might be other things happening there as well. Yes, he goes on to say patients with significant respiratory problems can have normal oxygen levels and the sensation of breathlessness is likely an indicator of increased work of breathing, which is definitely increased when wearing a mask. So thanks for letting us know about that, Tony, and we take that um, on notice that um, it's not just oxygen levels and that may be too simplistic and some people may find it hard to breathe. Yeah, we actually had another person emailing this as well, Norman. This is a question without notice for you. But this person's asking, could it be because people begin to breathe more vigorously while wearing a mask, which it sounds like they do? And could this effect be caused by an increase in carbon dioxide inside the mask? So it's the extent to which you're rebreathing the air in the mask and indeed building up your carbon dioxide level. And if your carbon dioxide level goes up, you will tend to want to breathe more deeply and probably feel a bit more breathless as well. So, so it's, a, it's an unpleasant feeling having a buildup of carbon dioxide. So a mask that doesn't actually provide you with enough fresh air is going, to, is going to risk increasing carbon dioxide levels. And people who are compromised in terms of their lung function will tend to have a slightly higher carbon dioxide level because the exchange isn't as efficient in their lungs. And that could be a cause of what Tony's talking about, which is um, you know, a sense that you have to breathe harder and increase the work of breathing. And if you've got, say, chronic obstructive lung disease, um, already the work of breathing is harder than otherwise. So what's the takeaway for people when it comes to wearing a mask or requesting an exemption for wearing a mask? Well, I think it's finding a mask that you can breathe easily through so that the the side entry of air, for example, if it's a surgical mask or a cloth mask, is easy and you feel easier and you feel it's easy to breathe and it's not hard work to breathe. And um, that would be the main thing. The main thing is that the forward propulsion of air in, in the mask is limited. So the, the old test of having a candle and see if you could blow it out with the mask. If you can't blow it out, it's a, probably a pretty effective mask, but you've got to be able to breathe easily through it. So that's the key thing. And you may be wearing a mask that's just too thick. Another thing we were talking about yesterday was people becoming complacent. Don't become complacent, people. But Scott in South Australia is saying that it's almost the flip side. Uh, employers in South Australia are being asking sort of people to come back and tough it out and come to work. And even Scott's wife, who's an emergency nurse at a hospital, has been getting emails saying, if you want even one day off work, you need a sick note, which really makes it hard for people to stay at home if they've got symptoms. So how do we combat this? I mean, it's breathtaking how stupid the authorities can be and how forgetful they can be and how little they've learned. You'd hope that what they've learned in this epidemic, regardless of which state you're in in Australia is that you are not being a hero coming to work when you're sick and they're just asking for trouble. And so I think that you should get your union or association that's representing you to actually take this further. It is unsafe practice for any employer to insist that you come to work sick and it's, in a public health sense, a risk to the population. South Australia cannot sit on its laurels. At any time, COVID-19 could come back and they deeply regret this stupid practice. 
So before we go today, I want to let you know about another podcast called America If You're Listening, which is about the last four years of Donald Trump and how he's changed not just the United States, but the whole world. Have you been listening, Norman? I have. And it's Matt Bevan who does it, who's on RN Breakfast. That's right. I was listening to the last ep, which is all about Trump's handling of the coronaviruses and its clashes with Dr. Fauci and its uh, drama that I love. Everyone should be listening to it. And then you should go back and listen to the rest of the season too. So it's called America If You're Listening, and it's in the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts, just like this show. Just like this show. Keep your questions coming in. Go to abc.net.au slash coronacast and click Ask Your Question and mention Coronacast on the way so we can pick it up. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. Mm -hmm. 